wait here for a minute. I just feel led to ask the Lord to open our eyes to actually see into the spirit right now. So Father, I pray that you would give us all eyes to see into the spiritual realm, Lord, right now. Father, I pray that you would allow us to see what that just was, what this is, what you're doing, Lord. I pray for eyes to see and hearts to understand, Lord, in every uh, person right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, open our eyes. Let us look into your realm, Lord. Lord, help us see the angels right now. Lord, help us to see the fear that was just struck into the enemy's camp. Help us to see that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that that's what it looks like for a body to be one in unity, to be one in the spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes and open our hearts that we would see that that's what real, pure, unadulterated, innocent, holy worship looks like that we worship you and then when you respond, we allow you to interrupt us. We allow you to speak, we allow you to move. Lord, I, I pray that you would open our eyes that we would see the stirring that is absolutely happening. God, the awakening that is happening, the boldness that is rising the victory, the breakthrough. And Father, I pray that even just uh, on today's word, Lord, I pray that you would just give me fresh oil, Lord, for every heart and every ear to be able to hear what it is that you're saying to us, Lord. Let there be fresh wind, fresh oil. And Lord, just touch it this morning, God, in Jesus' name. just pleased with our with with our faithfulness this morning I'm telling you guys that was uh, as, as the interruption took place and it, it was Lord I, I you know God is actually looking for a people to interrupt that are willing to be interrupted so that when he comes they stop and they just allow him to do and to say what what it is that he's wanting to make clear to us so praise God man I just I bless that in you Phyllis to just be aware of that and just continue He is looking for hearts, you know, that will search. Now, can you imagine, Phil, I'm, I'm gonna just prophesy over you. Man, the Lord has seen you so diligent throughout the years. Like, I don't know anybody that seeks God the way you do. I mean, from the time you get up, the praises of God are on your lips. And when you go to bed, the praises of God are on your lips. And I'm sure you wake up in the middle of the night with the praises of God on your lips and you have been diligent you have been, you have been persistent, steadfast. Things come up and you keep digging, you keep searching, you keep looking. To get you to a place to where the Lord is able to stop you and interrupt you so that he can move. Like all of that preparation was to get you to be able to stop when he said stop. And, and so it makes, it, it's silly. In all of our doing, he prepares us to be a person that he's able to stop so that he can move. You are a vessel, you are a conduit and everything you've done up until this moment today has brought you to this moment today. A woman who can be interrupted by God so that he can move, so that he can speak. And I just bless that in you. So thankful for you. And actually he's looking to do that for all of us. I want us to pay attention 
Rick said to me after, because I shared this message, you guys, at the men's retreat, and, and I just thank the guys who encouraged me in it, and, um, and even just thank you for listening again this morning, and I pray that the Lord speaks to you something even different and greater than, than what he might have already. But, but Rick said, hey, would you mind sharing this again on Sunday? And I've never shared a message like two times in a row. Um, he said, but man, when we get to water, like when we're drilling and we get to a spot and there's water there and man, what wisdom and he guys, just what the Lord is doing. Uh, he's like, let's just stay there. Let's just see what the Lord does now with this. Like we've drilled, we found that there's water here. There's life on this. There's oil on this. Let's just see what he does. Like, man, share it again. And, and I was reminded, Billy Graham was asked one time what he would do different if he could go back from the very beginning and do it all over again. Now, this is at the end of his life, and his response was, I'd preach more on the cross. And I was like, Billy, like your whole life has been preaching on the cross. And he's like, man, it's just one of those things that you can never preach too much on. And there's life on it, man. There's oil on it. There's water on it. And he gave his life basically to one message, and it was the cross. It was the gospel. And the Lord is doing something. And we should and we are really pay attention to this and not be so quick to move on to whatever it is that we feel like we should or whatever. Let's just really pay attention to what the Lord is doing. stop you you create a reservoir amen yeah so thank you lord and we'll find even in my message today uh that's kind of what faithful really is is multiplying what the lord is giving us um some things here phyllis in the beginning was talking about we do not know the day or the hour and that's why it's so important for us to be in position that's why the lord is stirring up our gifts and that's why uh, the Lord had me go through this last eight months of my life. And, and for you guys that heard me yesterday, you know what I mean. But um, for those of don't, man, I, I was um, I was in probably the hardest season of being since I've been born again. I, I was dry. I was frustrated, um, overwhelmed, honestly, just dead on the inside. And I remember saying things. Now, this was before I even started to really study this out. But I kept saying to myself and to, to even Jenna, like, man, I'm, I'm not a fake. I'm not a phony. I'm hurting, is what I kept saying. Like, I mean, this condemnation. I mean, I lived with just this relentless condemnation for eight months. Like, couldn't break out of it. Um, every time I would have something I would want to share, the enemy was like, you know, don't you even think about sharing that word. The condition you're in? Like the condition of the heart that you have right now, the thoughts that you just had earlier today, don't you even think about prophesying or speaking. So it was this unrelenting condemnation that turned to shame and guilt. And I'm telling you, man, I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the thing that he just brought me through. And, and um, let me, I heard this this morning. Uh, the enemy has, has tried to back FOTB into a corner but we're, but we're being awakened. We're being awake, we're being stirred up. So we can actually thank him for pushing and putting this pressure on us because it's the very thing God used to stir us up. It's the very thing in your life that you're going through right now. I'm telling you that has made you feel dry, weary, that the, listen, what the enemy has meant for evil, God will in, in turn use for good. And I can, I can testify that that is exactly for nine years now, every piece of revelation I've got or understanding that the Lord has given me has come out of the, this pressing, this wilderness journey. And it's the mercy of God that it didn't take me eight years. It took me eight months. It probably could have taken me eight weeks and it probably could have taken me eight days if I would have just been able to recognize what was really going on. But it didn't have to take me eight years. And I'm thankful for that. And what has actually come out of it is this understanding about, listen, the things that I was going through, you know, I was crying out. It's not like my heart was um, separated from the Lord. It was that my fire had been snuffed out. Now, like, there was still a coal there. And, that, and the only thing that that coal was, was, Lord, help me. 
Like I couldn't understand and I'm crying out day and night. Lord, help me. I mean, I'm still interacting with the Lord. I'm asking for deliverance. I'm searching my heart. I'm, I'm repenting of things that, Lord, if I've, if I've sinned today, if I've done this, Lord, please forgive me. This struggle of trying to find out what happened, where did I go astray? And really what happened was just my gift. My gift went dormant. So what I found was that when my gift was not stirred up, every, I'm telling you, relationships, uh, work, my, my, my own emotional state, everything was hindered and touched in a negative way because I allowed my gift to go dormant. I was dead in the water, man. It, you could ask me on any given day, at any time of the day, it didn't matter whether it was Monday morning or, or Saturday afternoon. Hey, man, how you doing? My response was, man, I am exhausted. Like I'm telling you, when my gift was not stirred up, it was the absolute most exhausting way to live. Drained 24-7. It didn't matter how much sleep I got, what I was doing. How you doing, man? Or, you know, what I was doing. I was just completely drained and exhausted all of the time because my gift was not stirred up. I seen this morning something taking place. I was just in the back, just watching. And I seen this body, this people who are still worshiping the Lord. Do you understand? So when I'm talking about gifts being stirred up, I'm not talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about grace gifts that God has given each one of us that even collectively, that when the body begins to function in that grace that you've been given, Right, so Paul says, man, there's a grace that I've been given to be an apostle. Now, some have a grace to be prophets. Some have a grace for healing. Some have a grace for speaking in tongues. He says, man, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Do you all speak in tongues? Do all... We've all been given a grace to find out what it is that we've been called to specifically. And when that gets stirred up, I'm saying we have worship like we do this morning. When we have those gifts, those grace gifts being activated in us, we have Diane being prophetic in the corner, just worshiping the Lord, but she's in her gift, so therefore it ministers to us. We have, we have Kim just praying, dancing in the spirit, uh, using her gift, the grace that's on her life, prophetic word comes forth. Tom, the grace of, uh, that's on your life, man, to just communicate, wow, just what the Lord is speaking to you, man, I don't, I don't want you to, to neglect and, and to diminish and to overlook your gift, man. You are, you're a man with five talents, brother. You're a man with five talents and you're being faithful, dude. I'm just proud of you for just continuing to press on, man, when it didn't feel good. You're, you're, you expect, you're kind of like me, man. You expect a lot out of yourself. And, and um, so I'm just gonna take this as even for me, but man, just have a little grace on you. Dude, you're doing awesome, man. You're doing it. You're actually living it out, man. You're walking it out and it ministers. That's what we're after. That's what we're going after, man. In 2 Timothy chapter one, that's where I'm just gonna read out of. 2 Timothy chapter one, starting in verse two. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, my beloved son, I pray for greater release of God's grace, love and total well-being to flow into your life from God our Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, verse two. Then this is what I'm saying. There's being a grace that's being awakened to us. There's being a, a, a grace that is being released and awakened. Because I wanna say this, that God is, and this is how we know that he's calling us into something because he's stirring us up on this side of it. Do you understand? He's not going to call us across the river and then wait for us to get there and be like, oh my gosh, I should have gave you guys the gifts before you got here. Like he's giving them to us now so that when we cross over, we're active, we're, we're running, we're pursuing, we're able to receive. He, so he, what he's doing right now is a prophetic sign and a, a signpost to us of where he's taking us because he's doing it right now. Everything that, that needs to take place in us is already in us. The gift of God that, that is in you. I mean, it's, it's not like oftentimes, and I found, um, I would travel with Joel a lot and I would wait for something to happen before I felt comfortable in stepping out in my gift. And oftentimes it was me stepping out while being uncomfortable in my gift that when I did that, boom, now my gift takes off. We were in Akron Bethel the one time doing a healing miracle service and, and uh, man, I tell you what, he would always call on me to do like the prophetic words of knowledge. And there'd be times in the beginning, I'd be back in, in the, couldn't worship, man. I couldn't, 
I'm like trying to press in, thinking to myself, I've got to have a prophetic word for everybody in here. Stressed out, couldn't enter into worship. And finally, the one day he, he tells me beforehand, he goes, hey man, I'm going to have you prophesy over a whole row of people. And at their church, they just have one center line down the middle. And then there's like 10 or 15 seats in a row on each side of the aisle. And I was like, okay, man. So I'm like, you know, not knowing which row or anything. And I'm like, you know, just squeeze something prophetic up out of me during worship. And um, finally, the Lord highlights one person to me, okay? One person in a row. And it was my time to come up. And, and at this moment, now I've got like 10 other people to go, and I've only got one prophetic word for one person in that row. And I just begin to prophesy. And I'm telling you what, man, it was like this person, then this, this fire came up in me, and it was the next person, the next person, the next. I didn't, we don't have to have everything already figured. I just have to be obedient in that one thing, in that one person that he's calling me to do. That's enough to get my gift stirred up. Then I do it, to, and it, it it's this, this wind that the Lord just continues to blow on us and blow on us and blow on us. But all the times that I would stress and I would worry and feel like my gift was insignificant compared to what I saw Joel or, uh, you know, Jeremy doing and all, I mean, I, I was devaluing my gift. I was underestimating my gift. But it says right here, Paul tells Timothy, he prays for a greater release of God's grace, love, and total well-being to flow uh, into his life. And that's exactly what God is doing in this house right now. And in this people, there's a greater God, a release of God's grace, love, and total well-being. And it's about to flow into all of our lives. To the point, if you remember last week, I, I, I said that September 1st, the Lord said to me that by this time next year, the prosperity will be unmeasurable. Listen, why? Because there's a greater release of God's grace, love, and total well-being flowing into our lives right now in this moment. Um, verse three, you know that I've been called again. This is second Timothy chapter one. You know that I've been called to serve the God of my fathers with a clean conscience night and day. I pray for you, thanking God for your life. I know that you have wept for me, your spiritual father and your tears are dear to me. I can't wait to see you again. I am filled with joy as I think of your strong faith. In the New King James Version, it says that every time uh, he says, when I, I call to remembrance, the genuine faith that is in you. And to even understand what Paul tells Timothy next, reading this and, and kind of studying this out, and this applied to me, he makes sure that, he, that, that Timothy knows that his faith is genuine. In the season that I was just in, um, I knew my, my, I was, again, it was like, man, I'm not fake. I'm not phony. I'm hurting. I know that my faith, although it's weak, it's real. Although I know that my love for the Lord is so weak compared to his love for me, but Lord, I know that this love is real. And so there's this exhortation right here at the beginning of his letter saying, listen, man, I, I love you. I can't wait to see you. Your tears are so precious to me. And I want to re remind you that you have genuine faith. So in order for Paul to remind Timothy that there's genuine faith, that must mean that there is ungenuine faith. But this isn't the case for Timothy. It wasn't the case for me. And whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you. It's not the case for you, that you are people of genuine faith, of pure faith, of holy faith. You're no fake. I don't care what your feelings tell you. I don't care what, in a, in a, you know, a fight with this person, I don't care what they tell you. I wanna let you know that the way that the Lord sees you this morning is that you have, you have genuine faith. Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for hearing our prayers this morning. 
Father, that they have gone up to you, that they're a sweet-smelling aroma. Lord, I pray that your heart for this nation, Lord, is that the righteous would, would uh, be in their place, Lord, that the righteous would be as bold as a lion. Father, I thank you that your heart for this nation, Lord, is that the wicked would no longer be able to rule and to reign. But God, I thank you that you have given America a destiny and a calling to be uh, a place, Lord God, where the gospel is able to go forth, that it will reach the four corners of the world, Father. And I thank you that if nothing else, God, that you are calling us to be a spearhead, Lord, for the rest of the nations of the world, Lord, to see abortion abolished, Lord. And I thank you for every child, Lord, that has been saved, even as you have moved on the parents, Lord, and on the people. And I pray, Father, that you would just continue to move in this nation. Lord, move on behalf of the prayers of your people, Lord, to see abortion pulled down, destroyed. God, we just command that worship of Baal to cease and stop today. God, I thank you that you have risen us up as prophetic voices, that we will not be afraid to prophesy against the false prophets of Baal. Lord God, that you have called us to see their altar turn, uh, uh, burn down, Lord. And we're calling on the name of Jehovah even tonight, or even this morning, Lord, to see fire come upon this altar, Lord, that the world would know there will be no more confusion, Lord, of who is God. We will be able to say that it is Yahweh who is God. It is Jehovah who is God. It is Jesus Christ of Nazareth who is God. And so, Lord, we thank you for your fire upon this altar, Lord. I pray, that, Lord, that you would just pour out your fire upon this altar, this false altar, Lord. Burn it up, Lord, in Jesus' name. Our faith is real. Paul tell, talks to, um, you guys, I'm just going to wait a second. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Stir us up, Lord. Stir us up, Jesus. Stir up our gifts, Lord. Awaken our gifts, Lord. You guys put your hands on your belly. Stir us up. Stir us up, Lord. Jesus, stir us up. Stir us up. Stir us up, Lord. I just call forth the gifts in each one of us right now. Lord, I pray that even as our gifts are stirred up, Lord, it just becomes refreshing. Times of refreshing. Lord, I, I pray, Father, forgive me. Lord, we just repent as, a, as each individual is, Lord, and as a body for allowing our gifts to be uh, pushed down, to be dormant, Lord. We thank you for your mercy on our life that you're stirring up our gifts. God, I pray for that release, a greater release of your grace, of your love, and your total well-being, Lord, to flow into each one of us, Lord, stir us up. <laughs> Some of you are asking, I don't know what my gifts are. I hear the Lord saying it was in the seed that was given to you is a doorway for you to begin to see what your gift is. So if you guys remember the prophetic seeds that were given out, uh, I, I just, I don't know why, I just hear the Lord remembering, uh, calling into remembrance each one of those seeds. And if you'll, yeah, yeah, watch this, Kenny. <laughs> the seed come up higher. There's a first voice from heaven. It sounded like a trumpet. That voice said, come up here and I'll show you things that must take place after this. Kenny, you have a way of coming up above the lie of the enemy. You have a way of coming up and not only just for you and your life, but in others, man. You, are, you have a way of being able to say, come up higher. There's a higher way of thinking. There's a higher way of seeing. Don't believe the lie. This is what God says about you. And in order to do that, man, you've got to come up higher. It's a gift in you. It's a gift in you. Diane, one of the gifts that is in you. <laughs> Blessed is the man whom the Lord causes to approach him. <laughs> A woman who continues to press in and come before the face of God, before the throne of her father. It doesn't matter what rises up against you, Diane. You know you're blessed because the Lord is calling you to approach him. 
And I just pray that for every bit of revelation that you have of God as your Father, you will continue to grow in this awareness, this, this, uh, this proximity, if you will, closer and closer and closer. And I just even pray that the Lord would just open your eyes and show you what, uh, what victory looks like, that every time you chose to consider yourself blessed in the midst of whatever it was you were going through, because that's what God says about you. And so I pray that you would just see and you would reap this harvest of, of revelation and understanding that everything that you had gone through caused you to be even greater blessed than what you were. Sarah, one of the gifts in you eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has stored up for those who love him. What a gift, what a grace on your life, Sarah, to know. I love you, God. And I know that you love me. And I know that what I have right now, I might not see it, but I claim it by faith. I might not hear it right now, but Lord, I claim it by faith because you say, I has not seen nor ear heard the things in which God has stored up for those who love him. That's a gift in you. So Lord, I pray you stir it up, Lord. And, I, and as we stir up these gifts, Father, we realize that they're not just for us, Lord. They're for everyone else around us. Sarah, you have a testimony. And I know you know this. It's, it's silly to even think that it would be uh, prophetic, but it is. You have this now, this seed, this gift, this grace that's on you to continue to encourage others. Yeah, I know you don't see it. And I know you can't even begin to hear what it might look like uh, because it seems so far away. But I want to encourage you that the Bible says, and I know that my life has become a testimony because there's a grace of God on my life to know. That is coming. I has not seen nor ear heard what God has stored up for those who love him. Rick. Rick, it's, it's amazing that I still remember these. It's, I, it's, have I not commanded you to be bold and courageous? Man, what a gift. You see, it's almost kind of like as they go, so we go. They're being stirred in their gift. He's been bold, he's been courageous, he's took a stand, he's decided that he's not gonna be pushed back, he's not gonna be silent, he's gonna allow what God has put in him to be stirred up, he's gonna be bold and courageous. And do not fear, man, for God is with you wherever you go. That's a grace on your life, that's a gift in you. We get to now be the ones who reap. You understand that this is why it's so important that we stir up our gifts because it's the people around us that actually get to reap the benefit and the harvest of the grace and the gift that's on you. There's been a boldness and a courage that has risen in me. This is what covenant relationship will do to you. It'll allow what's on you through covenant relationship to get on me. Rob, ask, seek and knock. I mean, there's doors opening for you, Rob. It's a grace, it's a grace on your life. You're not, you're not ashamed to come to the Father and ask. And you're not ashamed to stand at a door and knock. You're not afraid to continue to seek And man, I just prophesy over you that the asking and the knocking and the seeking is it, you're coming into uh, the next chapter is you're finding, you're receiving. But it's a grace on your life, man. It's a gift that's in you. Cheryl, she in here.
Cheryl, there's a grace on her life that goodness and mercy follow her all the days of her life. That's a grace that's been put in her. And, and how do we stir that up? How do, we, how do we stir up that grace and mercy follow me all the days of my life? It's stirred up in this way that in the midst of confusion possibly or being turned around, it's like everywhere I go, there's the mercy of God. Whatever direction I end up traveling in today, there's the goodness and mercy of God. If I try to run from it, it it's there before I get there. If I turn around, it's there following me. It's, if, if I turn to the right or to the left, there it is. It's leading me. It's guiding me. It's a grace on her life that grace and mercy follow her all the days of her life. You know what grace and mercy following you all the days of your life will end up looking like? It looks like a pure heart because nothing has been able to stop you not from, nothing has been able to cause you to get bitter and stay bitter because grace and mercy are there following you all the days of your life. Her gift is for all of us. And through covenant relationship, grace and mercy following her all the days of her life. Listen, it's the word. It's the, all of these are true for all of us. But when we administer them to one another, man, this is the body being knit together like living stones. And we are building, we are being formed into a resting place for the spirit of God to be able to come and not just visit, but abide a habitation for the holiness and the, and the purity of a, of a living God. We are being knit together as living stones. Why? Because our gifts are being stirred up in us. We are going to continue and to a greater degree administer and to minister and to serve one another with these gifts that are being stirred up in us. Bruce, I know you don't have a seed, but, uh, or, you know, you weren't given one years ago. But just, um, just hearing the Lord for you, man, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the one who brings good news of salvation. You have this way, see, the thing about mountains, man, is they're steep, they're rigid, they're hard. You have this ability, man, this grace, this gift that's in you that no matter how hard, how steep, how rigid, how cold, how high, how broken in the pieces, no matter how uh, far of a gap there might be from one step to the other, man, you have a grace on your life to be able to say, wow, you know what? This is what God said. This isn't bad news. He's the good news. And this peace about you. To not just walk through it yourself, but to encourage others. I mean, it's a peace that you walk in. It's a grace on your life. It's a gift that's in you. Paul reminds Timothy to stir up his gift because in his first letter, in 1 Timothy 4, he tells him, Timothy, do not neglect. Do not neglect the gift that is in you through prophecy and laying on of hands from the eldership. You see something happen between his first letter and his second letter. In his first one, he's saying, listen, man, he, now, for you guys that don't know, he's the, he's the pastor of the church Ephesus at this time. So large church, a lot of people, walking in love, walking in, in wisdom, walking in unity, all of these things that we read. Listen, they know how to do spiritual warfare. Uh, all of these things that the church of Ephesus knows how to do. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Something happened between letter one and letter two where he's saying to Timothy, I'm writing to encourage you. This is, this is what the Lord has put on my heart, man, and everything that I have found that, I, that depression set in, hopelessness set in, lack of vision set in, I mean, everything that you could think set in. I'm crying out for deliverance in the Lord saying, you don't need deliver, you just need to stir your gift up. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift that God imparted to you. Something happened 
between don't despise it and brother stir it up because it's out. It could have been anything and any one of us could understand, man, life happens, right? I mean, all of us understand this. Right or wrong, this or that, I don't really even think that matters. What matters is that we recognize somewhere along my first letter and my second letter, something has happened. It's gone out. This word neglect, it means this. The Greek meaning is to disregard, discount, ignore, underestimate, overlook, and undervalue. And sometimes it even sounds like this. My gift is insignificant compared to. I, I lived with this, man. And, and, and I want to even ju just recently see, I'm not saying that just because I get an unction from the Lord that I'm not that I don't jump on immediately. I'm not saying that Th these, those moments do need repented from. And I'll give you a perfect example of how I dismissed, I undervalued, I overlooked this gift. I, I shared this last week. I closed my eyes. I was going to bed one night. I closed my eyes and instantly I see a just, I don't know, like a, just in my mind's eye, wolves at a door trying to get food. And on the in, other side of that door was a huge snake that was asleep. Now, I told you guys, I dismissed this as just a weird random thought, never gave anything to it, never even asked the Lord if it was from him. <clears throat> the next day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw Charlie Champ had posted something on April 9th of 2020 and he had reposted it. And he said uh, that the, paraphrasing, that the wolves who used to be fed by the hand of the witch, well, her hand is now being cut off and the wolves are no longer going to be, you know, be fed. And when I read that, I, I was just, man, oh my gosh, Lord, please forgive me for, for neglecting the gift that was in me. And what happens is when we notice that we're able to repent, the fire doesn't go out. But it's when I, when I continue, when I overlook, I underestimate, I discount, undervalue. I would look at, at these guys who were doing full-time ministry and think to myself, they're just more anointed than I am. They just have a greater calling of God on their life. And it kind of just took me be, being secure in who I was and what I was called to, to know that, man, it's, it looks different. It's not any less than. It's not any less than. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Don't disregard it, don't discount it, don't ignore it, don't underestimate it or overlook it. I wanna to jump to the story of Elijah and Elisha because it's kinda, of, you know, uh, I'm sure most of you guys know that, um, <clears throat> kinda of hard to say, but uh, that Lauren Sanford had passed away. Um, just the journey that, man, how I met him, the journey that I went on to become, you know, uh, it, it, it was, it's kind of cool to be able to say like, oh yeah, I knew Lauren. I don't know, there's like, it's just fun sometimes when you're in the midst of all these people who knew all these big people and, and I'm just a, like a little person who knew, you know, Lauren. I was like, yeah, I knew Lauren, man. I started to think about just the times that, the, the times that we would drive through the mountains together when we'd go see him and the conversations that I'd have with him and his wife at their kitchen table. And um, he just passed away uh, two days ago. Or was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? Okay, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, Saturday morning. And I didn't realize this, but Friday night, I'm, I'm preaching about this, and, and I come to this spot about Elijah and Elisha. And now to me, in my heart, man, there's something just about his, his passing away, and I'm thankful that he's with the Lord, uh, but there's just something that seems like it was cut short. It, it, just, it just seems cut short to me for some reason, and I start to think about John Paul Jackson, and I start to think about, uh, you know, Bob Jones, and I start to th think about Kim Clement, and how these guys almost like in the in the like in the prime of their ministry still i mean cut short it seems and and um so i mean this kind of seems relevant and i want to talk about this because i think that the lord is actually calling us into this um into this this place but 
so, so one of the things that we have to understand about, um, it's right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 7. So what stifles our gift? Let's get to there because there's two questions. What, uh, what causes our gift to go dormant? And then what do we do to stir it back up? I mean, um, here's the answer to what causes it to go out in the first place. I've quoted this scripture. I'm sure most of you have never, never even thought to myself to read this and take it in context. For God will never give you a spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. See, he's writing to Timothy and he says, man, I'm encouraging you to stir up your gift that's in you. It's gone out. Let, let the flame come back. Timothy, you've not been given a spirit of fear. And when I saw that, I'm thinking like, you mean the spirit of fear is directly attached to the operation of my gift? And that fear, a better word to actually translate that um, is a word of, of intimidation. So basically you say, Timothy, you've not been given a spear of intimidation, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The object of intimidation is to restrain you from action, to force you into submission. The intimidated believer relinquishes their authority in the spirit by default. And although the gift is still in you, it, it never leaves. It lies dormant and does not operate. And I did not realize that, listen, sin will not stop, unrepented sin possibly, but sin will not stop you from coming into your full destiny. But you know what will? A dormant gift. The Bible is full of men and women who had let their gift go out, who were intimidated to the point that the, the, the Lord did not allow them to cross into the fullness of their destiny. And Elijah and Elisha is a perfect example of this. Quick, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Elijah, we know the whole story. Um, Mount Carmel, showdown, prophets of Baal, 850 to one. 850 false prophets. He's like, you guys build this altar, let's go. He, first he asked he asked the whole nation, who is God? Let's, let's apply this right now. Let's, we know that there's a spirit of, of Baal alive and well in the earth today. And, and most of this is coming through the media. See, I understand with Elijah, I don't mind um, a showdown with false prophets. I'll pull into somebody's yard, into their house and ask them about signs that say masket or casket. I have no problem confronting this false prophet spirit. But as we find out, the further on he goes, there was something else that actually caused him to be more intimidated than this. 850 false prophets. He's, he tells them, you guys go ahead and go first. Man, they're all day, all day crying out to Baal. They're, you know, he's mocking them. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on the toilet. Yell louder. They start cutting themselves. Nothing happens. He asked, you know, ask Israel, who, who is God? Is it Baal or is it, is it Jehovah? And they're like, well, I'm not really sure. Um, they still don't have an understanding of what not to listen to. So it's Elijah's turn and we know the whole story, man. He's like, yeah, go ahead and soak it down. He calls on the God of heaven. He calls on Jehovah. He calls on Yahweh. Fire comes down, burns up the altars. He looks at, at, at the false prophets and he says, now y'all gonna die today. Take them down to the river and kill them. So they take them all, 850. 850 people down to the river, kills every single one of them. He looks at Ahab. Now in this victory, he looks at Ahab and he says, man, you better get on that horse and that chariot, boy, you better start riding because there's a monsoon coming. There's some rain coming. Remember, it had to rain in Israel for three and a half years. At this time, Israel was broke up into two sections, north being Israel, south being the descendants of David, Judah. <clears throat> Ahab gets in his chariot. He starts being pulled by horses. He guess where he's headed? He's headed off to tell Jezebel exactly what just happened. He, he get, he, so he's in his chariot, man, he is riding. Next thing you know, and I, I, it's like a comical picture, but I mean, I can see like, you know, Elijah running like Forrest Gump, kind of just, just blows right past him. And uh, the hand of God came upon Elijah, man, and he just outruns this chariot. Now, 850 of Jezebel's prophets on her payroll. Somebody's getting paid, y'all, to say some of the stuff that's being said, okay? Yeah. 850 of them dead, no more. 
Ahab gets to Jezebel, tells her exactly what just happened. You're not going to believe the day I just had. You think you had a rough day. I just seen 850 of your false prophets get, uh, you know, mowed down and fire from Jehovah comes down and burns up this altar. Man, her indignation, her, her anger is so enraged. She ends up telling Elijah, listen, man, by the end of the day, as you had done to my prophet, so I'm going to do to you. Massive spirit. Now listen, intimidation, fear, it's a spirit. And we have to understand how spirits operate. They need something to ride in on, right? So outside of words, see, they're kind of like surfers. Surfers need a wave to ride. Same thing with a, a spirit of fear, especially. It needs something to ride in on to attach itself to you. And most of the time that comes to us through words, just like it did on Elijah. He hears this word, man, by the end of the day, you're going to be just like my 850 prophets that you killed. I'm going to kill you, boy. And he takes off running. He takes off running. This spirit of fear gets him so deep. Now, now this is all in one day. So can you imagine like, man, that's a good day of ministry right there. You know, you wake up in the morning, get with the Lord, 850 prophets, don't nothing happens. You wait there all day for him. You go ahead and call on your God. He shows up, boom. All these, other, you know, that's a day, that's a day at the office right there. He is so overcome with fear. He doesn't just run through Israel. I mean, he runs all the way down through the southern part of Judah, goes another day's journey into the wilderness, finds himself a tree, goes ahead and sits down and asks God to kill him. I don't really know what the difference was from Jezebel threatening, but you know what? Maybe it's this. Maybe we end up asking or prophesying over our lives the same thing the enemy is trying to do. You see, it probably felt like death was creeping in on Elijah. That's why it's so important for us to be able to hear and discern, is this God or is this my flesh? Is this the enemy? Is this fear? Do not speak. This is just hitting me, man. He spoke the same thing over his own life that Jezebel did. How many times I've done that? I don't <laughs> He said the same thing, man. And aren't we doing the same thing? We're hearing all this news. We're hearing all this that you guys know, man, the mandates, the mad, whatever, wherever you're at on, don't really matter. We're saying the same thing. I'm saying the same stuff over my life as the enemy is. No wonder I don't have no power. <laughs> so he's sitting under this tree and he's like, God, kill me. Angel comes. Listen, he's depressed, man. He is depressed. He is intimidated. He is hopeless, has lost his vision. This is out of the victory and the breakthrough he just saw. You know, next day, consider wanting to die. That's how quickly this happens to us, man. This is how quickly we can go into this place with our gift being stifled. An angel comes to him and, and his, the angel says, arise, wake up. <laughs> it's all right, buddy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Angel comes, says, Arise, eat. Angel, an angel had, now listen, he is so depressed. He's taking a nap. He's he just gets done praying. Man, I wish the Lord would kill me. Falls asleep, decides to take a nap. Angel wakes him up, arise and eat. He had, at this time, there was a pitcher of water by his head and uh, cakes made on hot stones. He sees this angel, eats and drinks and decides to take another nap. It's a, it's, you are in a bad spot when you encounter an angel and decide to go back to sleep. You're in a rough way when you get, listen, if you get woken up by an angel, you eat food that he prepared, you drink water that he prepared, and you go ahead and just give yourself a good stretch and decide to go back to sleep, you're depressed. That's what happened to Elijah. Guy so to sleep, he sees an angel and falls back asleep. Same thing happens again, angel wakes him up. You see, the Lord, the Lord will give us opportunities. Fellas. And this is why... This is, so we are in a pause moment right here. This isn't a different season. This is a timeout in the game. And you have to understand that just like Elijah was given another chance. Hey, man, I'm going to give you an encounter. 
I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to give you something to eat. He's going to give you sustenance. He's going to give you something to drink. He's going to refresh your soul. Whatever you do, don't go back to sleep. Second time. We're, we have, you know, and every time uh, there's a timeout in sports, right? There's always a time limit on this timeout. Eventually, this timeout's going to end. Okay, we've been given a 30-second timeout here to get into the huddle, to get our gifts stirred up, to hear the, the plans of heaven, and we need to be in position. I don't want to be, uh, you know, timeout on the field, and, and Jesus is looking to give me the ball. And, he, and I gave this example at the mentor retreat. You know, Jesus looks at Adam and says, hey, man, can you go get Kev and, and tell him it's time for him to come into the game? Adam's like, yeah, yeah, okay. He goes to turn around. It's like, uh, Kev, Kev ain't there. Kev ain't there. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm down in the locker room watching a thing on TV. Don't got my pads on. Don't got my spikes on. Don't got my helmet on. I'm kicked back, man, just worried about myself down in the locker room watching it on TV, hoping somebody else will step up and run the ball. I don't want to miss my opportunity to run, to get the ball and run and to, to run this race. I also don't want to be on the sideline kind of there just sitting back, just you know, just watching super casual, still got my, my jumpsuit on, like don't have my pads on, I'm not ready, I don't know the playbook, I'm just kind of just sitting there as a spectator. I don't want to be a spectator in this game. I want to be ready to go in and out of season, pads on, helmet on, belt of truth on, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, my shield ready, my sword ready, my breastplate of righteousness ready. So when I am called on, in or out of season, man, I am ready to get into the game. And I don't want to get into the game and the Lord give me a play to run and I got no idea what he's talking about. Kev, I want you to run an X-22 slant pass to the right. <laughs> Can you? Uh, okay. I come over here for, uh, for you know, I'm, I'm lining up to catch it as a, as a run pass and he's looking at me like, dude, this is or a run play. He's like, dude, you need to be out here, man. This is, this is a pass play. I need to know the word of God. This is our playbook. Every time the enemy wants to come up and say, hey, man, we'll get to it. <laughs> but this is where, hey, X-22, you know what that means? That means that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I can line up, man. I can line up looking at the enemy face to face and know I'm going to outrun you today. You ain't going to be able to stop me from catching this pass. I'm in place. My gift stirred up. I got my pads on. I'm ready to go. But not for Elijah. You see, for Elijah, he gets this second wake-up call. He says, hey, man, wake up. Here's the same angel wakes him up. Food to drink. Uh, I'm sorry, food to eat, water to drink. And he says, you go ahead and you eat this food because the journey before you is too great. So he eats this. He goes a 40-day journey into the wilderness. He comes to Mount Sinai. He's in a cave. Encountered by the Lord. Now, he hasn't heard the word of the Lord for 40 days. If I'm anything like Elijah in this moment, 40 days without hearing the word of the Lord for me would be torture. So you can imagine he's now in this cave. Word of the Lord finally comes to him and it's this, Elijah, what are you doing here? Can, I mean, well, I don't, I don't know, Lord. I mean, angel woke me up, told me to come up here. What he's really getting at is, dude, why did you not finish the thing I called you to do with Jezebel? Elijah, what are you doing here? He gives this sob story. Man, all your, all your people build altars to false gods. Uh, you know, they tried to kill me. They're after me now, and I alone am left. God does not respond to Elijah's sob story. Listen, the Lord does not respond to our complaining. He responds to faith. He's not, I've been there, right? In this last eight months, I was probably, you catch me three weeks ago. I'm probably doing exactly what Elijah did. Lord, you don't understand. I'm working so many hours. The baby's not sleeping. Still looking for a house, Lord. <laughs> he doesn't respond to my complaining, man. He's going to respond to my faith. So the Lord says to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? Same thing, soft story, man. He does not respond to Elijah out of his complaining. If God sees us give up, because of an intimidating spirit, 
many times. He will send you to a place. You see that eight months, I don't believe that that was the will of God for me. But because I gave up, I allowed a spirit of intimidation to come upon my life. He had allowed me to go to a place that wasn't originally his design for me in order to minister to me because he loves me so much. And see, out of that, I'm thinking, this is why the Lord always wins. Because in this place where I was, you understand, he, he loves me, so he let me go through it, so he would minister this word to me, to stir up my gift. So it's almost like the enemy loses twice. He loses twice because not only did the Lord bring me out of it, but now he gave me an anointing, an oil, and a word to fight back and call people to awaken and stir the gift. So now he loses twice. Sometimes he'll send us to a place and minister to us there because he loves us so much. What are you doing here? Why didn't you finish the job you, you were asked to do? Why did you not, you, you listen, man, you confronted the kings, you confronted Ahab, you con confronted the false prophets, the entire nation of Israel was confronted. You didn't, con you didn't, you didn't confront the, the, the real problem. You didn't really go after the real issue. She was the leader of it all. Why didn't, you, why didn't you finish the job with her? Why did you run? The Lord tells him this. I'm gonna close with this. I thank you guys so much for staying with me. The Lord says, go, return to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint two kings. You go find Elisha and you anoint him as prophet in your place. If Remember I said in the beginning, sin, unrepented sin might, but sin uh, itself with a repented heart, we see this in David's life. We, we uh, perfect example of David's life. It's not gonna stop you from fulfilling the destiny of God on your life, but what will, will allowing your, diff, your gift to be dormant, allowing yourself to come under and stay under a spirit of intimidation. So what do you do? He rose up another. You go anoint two kings, you go find Elisha and you anoint him prophet in your place. In other words, I'm replacing you because you gave up due to a spirit of intimidation. We can re keep reading. I mean, this is so sad. We can keep reading through Elijah's life. He does not go again to the leaders of Israel. He's not sent to them anymore. He doesn't prophesy to the nation. He doesn't prophesy at all anymore. Over the next four and a half years, we find out that what Elijah, we, what Elijah does is finds Elisha and goes ahead and trains him, disciples him, raises him up to take his place. Now, we don't take any honor from him and we still see him get caught up in a whirlwind. We still see this, this absolute man of God. But the Bible says this, whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. That was originally intended for Elijah. It should have read, whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. But he came under a spirit of fear. He let his gift go dormant. And this is, I want to pray an impartation of Elisha over us. So you didn't mess with Elisha. He was one of the most, you know, absolute bold people we ever read about in scripture. Even to the point, to point that kids make fun of his bald head and he calls out two bears to come out and eat him. That's bold. Y'all better not be saying nothing about my head. We got bears around here, do we? Matter of fact, the king sends messenger to Elisha one night tell him that he was going to die. You see, this is the way we need to be with the enemy. I'm not saying if somebody comes to your house, you need to start prophesying death over them, but we still, we need to do that with the spirit behind. The spirit in which they come, that's the spirit that we need to be attacking and say, no, no, you, you got this all wrong. Watch, messenger comes. Put yourself in the messenger's shoes for a minute. King sends messenger to go to Elijah, to Elisha, and tell him that he was going to die. Messenger comes to the door, Elisha opens the door and says, oh, here's the man that will see bread this time tomorrow night, but won't be alive to eat it. Messenger comes to tell Elisha he's going to die. Elisha opens the door and says, oh yeah, here he is. Man who will see bread made tomorrow night, but ain't going to be alive to eat it. We need to have this same type of boldness for, for the, the enemy that's coming into our life. You, you want to come tell me I'm going to die? No, man, you're going to die. Why? My gift stirred up. Bad day for you. Your buddy's already tried to put me out one time. And you know what? What, the, what they meant for evil, God intended for good. I'm stirred up. I'm awakened, man. Bad day for you, man. You're going to die. Because Elijah ran, 
This is why I refuse. This is why I refuse to allow my gift to go dormant again. It's not even for me. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's, I don't wanna say it's not for you, but, but even more than that, I mean, it's, it's for Micaiah. It's for Jace, it's for, uh, it's for all of our children. Because watch this, because Elijah ran, because of intimidation, Baal worship was totally restored back to Israel. Totally restored. 850 dudes knocked off, didn't matter. Because he ran, came under a spirit of intimidation, Baal worship was fully restored to, to Israel. It took Elisha and Jehu to fight that battle. Because it says that, that Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. Jehu took care of the natural and Elisha took care of the spiritual. What Elijah was supposed to complete fell to Elisha because his gift went dormant. If intimidation renders the gift of God in us and causes it to go dormant, then one thing is what stirs it back up. It is boldness being stirred by the virtues of a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. It is boldness. Remember, like I said, it, sometimes it takes, I'm going to close with this. It was Feast of Trumpets. And, you know, I met with, we met with Rick and Phyllis a few times. I mean, they, they knew where I was. And even Rick, man, hey, if you get a word, I'd love for you to share, man. Please feel any, you know, a couple of times. If you feel led, please. And I could hear as a father to a son saying like, listen, man, uh, <laughs> please share. It was, it was him asking me to share without him kind of like, you know, putting too much pressure on me. Feast of Trumpets, still living in, so, so as of the Feast of Trumpets, man, that, that was like the breaking point. But up until that point, under this guilt, shame, condemnation, couldn't break it, couldn't shake it, couldn't get delivered from it. I'm, I'm coming up and down the aisle, you know, praying the Lord to give me a couple things. And now at this time, I would get things from the Lord and I would say, nope, I ain't, I ain't sharing that. I'm going to hold that. I ain't saying nothing. I'm not, not in the spot I'm at. And Phyllis turns around. She goes, Kevin, you got something you want to share? And you guys have to understand in that moment, I was given a choice. So Tom, thanks, man, because this is a choice, dude. This is right where we're at, man. The Lord ain't going to force me to do nothing. But if I don't, he will find someone who will step up. She goes, you have something to share? And I kind of stopped and I almost said, I was like, yes, before I even really was able to say no. Like, I was like, yeah. In my heart, I'm like, no. So she's like, okay, come up and share. So I come up, like, I don't feel anything. Like, I'm condemned this whole way. Condemned, condemned, condemned. Don't have, you know, don't, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. Hey, I, and I just, I just go for it, man. And I share a dream that Kenny had, and I, I share some things that, that were on my heart out of Second Chronicles, and I share it, and I get done. And as I'm walking away, it's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you? But I realized it was in that moment that the Lord crossed me over into something. It was me stepping out in the midst of feeling whatever it was I was feeling to take a chance to step out in the virtues of boldness, in the, in the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind this, that literally was a wind. It was, this, it was a fan that flamed an otherwise stifled fire in me. The cold was still there, it was still hot, but man, I needed a wind. And it actually took me to step out into the thing that I was being held from, right? The enemy did not want me to step out and to share, but it took me to step out and to share when I felt all these other things that literally lit this fire again in me. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 that that Timothy receives these gifts, and Paul says it in 2 Timothy. He says that you have received these gifts by prophecy in the laying on of hands, Paul says in 2 Timothy, from me, in the first letter, it says from the eldership. And at the men's retreat, we did that, but, but I, I don't necessarily feel led to do that this morning. We all have gifts. They are imparted to us from God. We need to stir it up. Rick can't lay hands on you and stir your gift up. Kenny can't lay hands on you. I, I, Phyllis can't lay hands on you and stir your gift up. 
they can impart to you. They can recognize and say, hey, this is the gift in you. But Paul tells Timothy, you need to stir your gift up. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to stir our gifts up. If you don't know where to start, Again, I'm not talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about prophecy, speaking in tongues, miracles, extraordinary faith. I'm talking about a grace that is on your life that causes you to rule in every area of your, the life and the, and the sphere of life that you're doing. This is the gift I'm talking about. This is the gift that I'm talking about that causes you to rule. You will rule to the degree that the world around you will have to stop and take notice of the way that you're loving your wife, loving the people you're doing life with. Hey, everybody else is in famine. The uh, economic structure is collapsing. You're prospering. What's going on, dude? How are you doing this? It's the grace and the gift of God active and living on the inside of me. This is going to put us in position to be able to handle what God is giving us. So put your hands on your bellies. Jesus, thank you. First, Lord, we thank you for your great mercy towards us. Jesus, forgive us, Lord. God, forgive me for allowing my gift to, be, uh, to come under a spirit of intimidation. Lord, forgive me, God. I just repent of, of living in a spirit of fear and intimidation. Lord, I just declare over my life, over your life, that as we leave this place today, we will operate and live and function and flow out of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, I pray that you would even just come as a, as a, as a, as a fanning wind. Lord, to fan our flame, Lord, stir up our gifts. God, I pray for each one of us to have an opportunity today to step out in faith that allows and causes and demands my gift be stirred up. Lord, I thank you for what you did this morning in worship, God. I thank you that we have sent confusion into the enemy's camp, God. I thank you that they are fleeing seven ways. God, give us opportunity. Give us um, a moment, Lord, where we are faced with a decision to make where we must choose before this time out runs out to stir up our gifts. Lord, we thank you for the gift that's in us. Help us to not neglect it, but stir it up, Lord. We love you. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Jesus' name, amen.